welcome to Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing. Brace yourself for it. At the stroke of 4 a.m. on Monday morning. Thanks, Bontemps. Now, now, why you haven't been introduced yet, which mm. is now a whole production. True. Now, why would we be doing this Shout at 4 a.m.? <laughs> 4 a.m. That's right. We are recording this at 4 a.m. Did a game just end? No, it did not. Nope. Um, Tim Tim no, Bontemps has has been in Boston for less than an hour. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I landed in Boston at midnight. Tim Bontemps, first off, hello. You were at the Knicks Heat game like literally yesterday. Yeah. And you didn't get you didn't get to Boston until 3 a.m. And so here we are. Here we are. I, I the one time I tried to follow my wife K Bond's wishes and get a good night's sleep. What do I do? I'm potting at 4 a.m. and I'm gonna sleep for like two hours. So there you go. Should have just you, done what I normally do and not get any sleep and would have been better off. As would have so been we, driving from New York. Also have been better off doing that. So we were trying to decide whether we we're going to do this tonight or not, or, you know, this morning. And uh, we text uh, McMahon and he goes, I'm fine in the Mountain West. <laughs> so <laughs> joining, us, line, joining us from Denver, where he's covering the Suns, Suns in the Nuggets series, it's Ben McMahon. partners <laughs> McMahon's struggling we should be struggling it's 4 a.m it's only 2 a.m where he is um all right so yesterday steph curry had an iconic game um <clears throat> there's been a story that's gone on after the game um draymond green talked about it on his podcast i think some other people wrote about it about this speech that steph made on saturday morning they lost friday night in game six and then before they traveled up to Sacramento, he they had this film session. Steph made this speech. Draymond told the story <clears throat> on his podcast. Uh, you know about he doesn't speak to the group much, and he's basically like, you know, you know, it was a rah rah speech. Uh, you know, if you're going to get on this bus, you better contribute to winning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's I'm sure it's cool. It would be. I mean, if I got that story, I would have written the hell out of it and all that stuff. But what happened in this game was Steph was like, I'm not relying on any of you. Guys, I'm taking it myself. Um, actions over words, right? Well, actions were 38 shots in 38 minutes, 50 points, and the Kings were broken by Steph Curry in that game. And other things happened that were very positive. They got contributions up and down, they hit 15 threes, which is always a good sign. Clay went four and nineteen, mm. and and Wiggins went five of sixteen. So maybe Curry should have shot even more. But basically, Steph Curry was like, "I ain't losing this one, and I'm going to have my hands on the wheel. And if you want to come with me, come with me." Kevon Looney. I was going to say every 20. time Steph missed, Looney grabbed the rebound and gave it back to him. <laughs> right, he had ten offensive rebounds and eleven defensive rebounds, twenty-one mm-hmm. altogether. Um, so McMahon Bontemps was. I don't know how much you got to see of this because you I watched the whole game. You had plenty of time while you were waiting for your flight. I sure did, but I I watched, I watched it in real time. 
I got to see the last three quarters. I didn't stop by his son's practice, but I got to see the last three quarters of this. And uh, is Clay Thompson has to be the first guy in NBA history to go four of nineteen and be a plus thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly I mean, in a game seven. Yeah, just a legendary performance by Steph. You know, and we were kind of laughing about it in the, in the group text, like. Hey, Steph just became a legend last year. He got a finals MVP so people could <laughs> at long last acknowledge that this guy's one of the best to ever play the game. And, you know, I mean, historically awesome player, had a historically awesome performance in a game seven. Uh, shame that De'Aaron Fox ended with a dud. Um, but the way Steph came out, it didn't matter. They The Kings were not going to beat the Warriors with Steph uh, playing like he did today. Well, and the Warriors won that game because they controlled it from start to finish and Steph controlled it from start to finish. You know how many fast break points there were total in this game? I bet you'll tell us. Two. Hmm. The the game ground to a halt. The Warriors made it into a possession-by-possession game. And Stephen Curry just piece-by-piece just dissected the Kings took them apart. And it, like you said, McMahon, anytime he did happen to miss or somebody else did, which everybody else missed a lot, Kevon Looney just broke their back over and over and over again with offensive rebounds, extending possessions. I mean, there were two possessions in the third quarter where the, the Warriors had the ball for like two straight minutes twice and then scored like and the Kings were just completely beaten down from it in the end. But look, it's like McMahon said at the end of the day, there's been all this talk about are the Warriors going to be done after this? What's going to happen with them? You know, what's their future going to look like? I, I looked it up during my interminable wait. The Warriors have won more playoff games than all but two teams have played over the time that they have gone on this run over the past 11 years. The Celtics and mm-hmm. Heat have played like 105 and 110. The Warriors have 114 or they've played 114, 110. The Warriors have 105 wins like that. They, they have just been the team of the past decade and Steph today decided that's going to last at least another four to seven games and maybe longer. And and by the way, we can probably stop talking about the road record this year. Um, Yeah. They've won 28 in 28 straight series. They've won a road game and this one, they won two, including the game seven. So I think we've got our answer to which uh, crazy road, Stat, do you want to believe 28 straight playoff series wins or, you know, whatever it was this year of 11 and 30, I think it was that yeah, we, we've got our answer to that. The regular well, and one other irrelevant. And one other real quick stat from Stats Williams from his notes from this game. Warriors had seven turnovers. Always the sign of when the Warriors are locked in is when they're not throwing the ball around. First time this entire season they've had under 10. So they clearly showed up today focused in a way they weren't on Friday. And as a result, they get to play Lakers on Tuesday. And that's a good way to keep the uh, Kings from running. Yes, Um, exactly. Yes. Uh, ESPN Stats and Info said Steph is the second player at age 35 or older to score 200 points in a playoff series. Jordan did it in the 98 conference finals and NBA finals. Uh, 200 points in a playoff series. And again, back in 98, when he did that, (laughs) the game was played at a completely different pace. So... Um, it's pretty impressive um, numbers. Uh, you know, the other thing is, is that the Warriors obviously fell down 2-0 in this series. They won four out of five coming in. 
and the game that they lost was a game that they were not focused in. I mean, it was because of the Kings, but um, they established themselves uh, in this series. And that could be, you know, a factor as we go forward here. I mean, they now as the sixth seed, um, their reward for pulling this off is they get home court. And so as hard as it is to turn around and play, you know, roughly 48 hours later, minor advantage of getting to play in the afternoon, but a little more than 48 hours later, they get to go home. And um, Bontemps spent more time on a plane today than, uh, than the Warriors have in weeks now. So, um, you know, I think the Kings certainly, obviously the, the, what you'd say is they have nothing to feel bad about. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you lose a game seven at home, it's hard. And, you know, you don't blame it because, you know, Steph played great, but they didn't play their best game. They only shot 38%, um, really couldn't hit a three, relatively speaking, couldn't get a defensive rebound. Um, Demodis Sabonis got worked over by Looney, and it wasn't all him. You know, when it comes to offensive rebounding, there's things that come into play. Um, there was a lot Sabonis, of him, though. He got yeah, outplayed I mean, by Kevon Looney. He did. And you guys know that I'm a big Sabonis, Sabonis defender. I don't think I have to defend him anymore because he's had such a great year. Um, you got to defend but, Draymond. Draymond's mad that that Sabonis didn't shake hands. You know, Draymond the uh, – did, did, has Draymond won the Sportsmanship Award in his career? <laughs> I don't foresee it happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, apparently – Draymond, uh, Draymond should have just pointed at Steph after the game. It's, I mean, he's going to always chatter, but he should have just been pointing at Steph and saying, just talk to yeah, that exactly. guy today. Instead, he's pointing at LeBron. He's well, spent the whole post-game praising well, LeBron. Of course. Mm, well, the thing course. about Draymond that was funny was, to me, you know, there was a there was a social media video that the NBA took, and Draymond's walking off the court. You know, the mm. game has just ended. And he's like, he's congratulating the Kings. Well, what a great season. You know, you, you know, and then he, but he can't help himself when he gets near the tunnel, he starts trash talking the fans and saying, light the beam, light the beam. <laughs> He's literally in the middle of like praising the Kings and he stops himself to trash talk the fans. I respect um, that. Yeah, I know you do. So that's Draymond. Um, Even uh, Steph did a light the beam thing in that game. I, I've rarely seen Steph as locked in as he was today from start listen, to finish. Don't, but don't even Steph. Steph is a very, polite and you know gentlemanly fella who talks a lot of trash i mean let's be honest oh yeah no he for sure like come on like steph for sure steph Steph puts on a show for sure no question and he's a killer much as he tries to as much as he's portrayed as otherwise more hoop collective podcast after this now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, 
even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class. They have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. So the game you were at yesterday, uh, Bon Temps, um, the Miami Heat SEAL Team uh, 305. um, Unbelievable. Keep keep on trucking. Uh, The Knicks obviously felt, in my view, the loss of not having Julius Randle in the regular season. And I know that that's a ridiculous statement to start off with in the regular season because it doesn't matter. But in the regular season, they played four times. The Knicks won three. Julius Randle averaged, I think, 29 points in those yep. games, like 29 and 11. Yep. Um, I don't know how you thought he looked. I watched some video of him working out before the game. You know, he looks better than he did when than the other night in Cleveland when he couldn't basically walk. But yep. he was not close to playing. And that was a that was a factor. And then of course, you know, the heat or the heat. And mm-hmm. uh we'll get into Jimmy's injury in a second. But what did you think about that performance? I mean, I think a lot of it, frankly, just comes down to the fact that the Knicks could not hit a wide open three. They went seven for 34 from three. Most of them were very wide open. Jalen Brunson, in particular, went 0 for 7, was very critical of himself after the game for that. Um, If the Knicks just hit 35% of their threes instead of 20, they win the game. I think they'll win game two because we basically always see the home team come back and win game two in these series. Um, but my takeaway was for all that has happened with Kyle Lowry in Miami and all the um, criticism that's been thrown at him in game six last year in Boston, it was Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry who won that game for the heat. And Kyle made a bunch of big plays against Milwaukee and when Jimmy Butler was standing there in the corner, pretend or, uh, you know, miming, catching, shooting the ball because he couldn't move, which, by the way, the Knicks just doing nothing with Jimmy yeah. Butler over the final five minutes was insane. They The Knicks just completely fell apart in the final five minutes. But part of the reason they did was Kyle Lowry on the other side, the guy who's had a pretty dramatic reversal of fortune in these kind of moments over the past eight or ten years. You go back to where he was in Toronto at the beginning to where he's seen now in these playoff moments. He stepped up and just made a bunch of huge plays somehow at four blocks in this game. I, I don't know how he did that. Um, I don't remember that. But just made a, okay. a bunch, made a bunch of shots late, made a bunch of big plays, took over while Jimmy couldn't do anything and carried these guys to a win. And like you said, I mean, it's just, it was striking being at the two Cavs Knicks games. And I, I'm, it's obviously not fair to compare the Cavs and the Heat because the Cavs have literally never been there and the Heat have only ever been there, basically. But it was pretty striking to see just how unfazed Miami was mm-hmm. by being at the Garden and playing there with place going crazy compared to what it was like in games three and four of the last series when the Cavs were just shook, basically, from start to finish in both games. And now we wait to see what's up with Jimmy's ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that just strategically, um, the, the heat, um, were able to control, not control, but were able to play the offensive boards relatively even the Cavs got destroyed mm-hmm. on the offensive boards. 
the heat are not a big team by nature. Um, Kevin love had some big rebounds where he threw the full court outlet passes, which basically is a counter attack um, to like sort of a soccer term, a counter attack um, to crashing the boards. What basically they're saying is, okay, if you're going to crash the boards offensively, um, just know that if Kevin Love gets it, he's going to throw touchdown passes. And he got three. I think he got three of them today, Bontemps. Um, so that's a, you know. He got about also. this close to a fourth one. Okay. So that's that's an interesting, it's especially interesting if you're a Cavs fan. I was going to say, it's too bad the Cavs the, couldn't have a guy like Kevin Love on that roster. Uh, that is just, <laughs> it is a complicated, it's, it's not a simple discussion and we're not going to have it right now, but it is a bad look. That's yeah. not, that's uncomplicated. Um, but basically the, at least game one countermeasure was to use a player that the Cavs jettisoned. Um, and by the way, he made a million dollars on the deal to go to the Miami heat. That was amazing too. Um, so Jimmy played 43 minutes in this game, which just illustrates how important he is to them. He had a, good game he didn't have 45 like he did um uh the other you know what whatever he had 48 in that game um game six yeah i think so something like that he had 25 11 with four assists um but obviously he sprained his right ankle late in regulation and he after the game was pretty like i don't know i he's like you know i think it was a fair answer he's like i don't know how i'm gonna feel in two days and that is you know, even if he does, I mean, last year he could barely run on his knee. With the three day gap in the series, you wonder if they sort of say we won a game in my, in New York, if we can hit a bunch of threes and maybe steal another one. Great. But let's give this guy basically a week off and go into yeah. game three. I'll be curious to see what they do. Cause I mean, he did essentially nothing the final five minutes of the game. I mean, it, like I said, it was malpractice. The Knicks didn't, um, Attack, attack him, him. Yeah. more down the stretch. I mean, they had one switch and it would, it was, it was not good. Well, the thing good. about it is, is that Brunson had the ball in his hands. And so Brunson wanted to go to work. He didn't want to pass the ball to whoever Jimmy was guarding. Well, then brings Jimmy into the screen. Well, yeah, that they didn't, it was a mess on every front. RJ Baird had a great start and then he fell apart. And frankly, Obi Toppin probably should have played down the stretch of this game. He played really well. I mean, look, the end of the day, if the Knicks go again, they hit 35% of the threes, they win the game. I suspect they're going to hit some more threes and win game two, and then we'll see what happens in Miami. And that's where the series will be decided. It's about ankle injuries, really. How was Julius Randle's ankle and how was Jimmy Butler's mm-hmm. ankle for game two? Certainly would so, have been good to have Julius out there to take advantage of uh, Miami's, you know, black aside. Certainly it's going to look different for him if he can get out there than it was going up against Evan Mobley and, Jul- and uh, Jared Allen. That's for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So, Montemps and I are here in Boston Monday 76ers Celtics have game one. Um, Embiid is listed as doubtful uh, sprained ligament in his knee. The hope obviously was that the Celtics losing um, game five to the Hawks here in Boston. Um, by the way, rough night uh, in Boston here tonight with the Bruins losing had one of the great seasons in NHL history, regular seasons, and got ousted in the first round. Mm, um, man, now we're talking hockey on this pod. Well, man, I'm just we'll going to say, 
I was going to say <laughs> when I when I arrived at the game, when I arrived at the hotel, which is very close to the arena, um, some uh, some Celtic some some Bruins fans um, trash talked me, and wow. I just forgave I just forgave them. What do they say? Because I, <laughs> I'm not going to go into it, but I, I just I forgave them because I knew how tough of a night it was here in uh, in Boston. Um, you should have but, told them to, not to take out their frustrations on you in a very pleasant manner. I'm sure that's what you would have done. <laughs> well, it's, it's a similar night in, in Denver <clears throat> where the Avalanche also, uh, the defending cup champions are out in the first round. Or let's get into the hockey talk here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go outside and trash talk some Avalanche fans just for fun. <laughs> I mean, you would trash talk the wall, so sure. <laughs> I couldn't name one player in either team. So, Bontemps, Celtics were three and one against the Sixers during the regular season. It's not the greatest mm-hmm. matchup for Philly. They had a huge rest advantage here on them, but if they don't have Embiid, and I think we'll see how he feels tomorrow. But you know, they obviously have to play for the long haul here um you know at least in this series uh if they don't have Embiid and he's not a serious contributor like I don't know what we're doing here like this it's well yeah much- I mean they, they if they don't have the the white or I shouldn't say likely if they don't have the possible MVP of the league we'll find out Tuesday uh when the NBA announces it Tuesday night but whether it's a, he's the MVP or a finalist for the MVP award if he isn't a factor in the series, yeah, then it's going to be a short series. I, I think that's, you know, that's pretty reductive. I mean, we'll see where he's at. I do think, you know, the extra couple of days, I do think helped. I was at practice on Saturday and, you know, people were down a little bit because I think there was a hope he would be able to do some stuff on Saturday. He then was able to do at least some stuff on Sunday, did some shooting, was out on the court. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the fact that he's doubtful and not out is at least a sign that maybe things could turn around over the next 24 hours. We'll see. But, you know, I think the Sixers are hoping he can get out there by game two. And, you know, maybe they can, you know, they're going to play small. They're going to play fast. It's going to be a ton of threes. And, you know, they'll they'll see what they can do. But yeah, I mean, if Joel just isn't a factor in the series or doesn't come back till game four or something, then yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it already is a tricky matchup, like you said, and it's going to be very hard for them to make it competitive. I mean, if James Harden still has the capability to just completely dominate a game, this would be a good time to see it. I don't, well, think I got a story can... coming out. Yeah. I got a story coming out about James Harden on Monday. That's all about, you know, he said after game four, he came into this year with the mindset to sacrifice, sacrifice money so they could get mm-hmm. PJ Tucker and Daniel House, sacrifice shots. He's got the lowest points, field goal attempts, free throw attempts, three point attempts of his career um, since he got to Houston. Like he, you know, this was all about trying to win. Well, now if he can ramp it back up, they're going to need it because whether Joel is back or not. They're going to need James to play better than he did against Brooklyn when he shot nine for 34 on twos and outside of game three was four for 26. Hey, uh, that just a, ain't going to cut it. Game one's going to be like a night in Vegas, all the shots he wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's still, Max has been awfully bad against Boston too, so he's got to be a lot better too in this series. McMahon is still letting him fly at 2.30 a.m. East uh, Mountain. That's what he time. does. He's... Yeah, that's yeah. what he does. Our guy's always ready. Yeah. The the issue with 
with the way Harden looked in the first round, even though that series with Brooklyn was largely anticlimactic, was that he just he couldn't get to the line and he couldn't get a shot in the paint. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're left with is, is Harden having a good three-point night or not um, because he can distribute, but he's yeah. not as effective as a distributor when Harden, when the NBA is not there. So um, it's very possible that, he, you know, let's say Embiid doesn't play and, he, and James hits six threes. Yeah. Like that could be a difference-making performance. Um, but it's, it's really, it's the combination of Embiid potentially being slowed and Harden just hasn't been the same player since he, since the Achilles thing popped up. Well, really hadn't been the same since he had the hamstring in uh, the, the playoffs a couple of years ago. You know, I'm, yep. looking, I'm looking at his two-point percentage. Last year, 47.6. This year, 49.5. Uh, and you look at, like, when Harden was cooking, like, it was in the mid-50s a lot of those years. 53, yep. 53, 53, 56, 55, 56, 55. He's, he just does not have that same burst, and so that's why he's not able to get in the paint. He's never been a mid-range guy. You know, he's been like the perfect Daryl Morey shot clock or uh, shot chart guy. Um, never been a mid-range guy. It's always about being able to get to the paint and finish or get fouled, and he just can't get there like he used to. Now, he can still, as you said, get hot from three. He's still one of these, you know, best guys in terms of running the offense, one of the best passes in the league, all that kind of stuff. But I think they need him to have a 35-40 point game, and I just don't know that he has that in him, especially against uh, that defense. Yeah, I mean, they probably need him and Maxi to combine to score 60 if Joel's in playing to have a chance to win. Like, they both have to be awesome. And Tyrese has been terrible against Boston. Derek White, Marcus Smart have given him a lot of problems. And Harden, again, Harden's lack of burst against Brooklyn. Brooklyn's a sort of a, a you know, a lesser version of what Boston is without the, both the rim protection and without quite as good a perimeter defensive talent. So it, I mean, it's a, it was going to be a tall task if Joel's 100% healthy, and I just hope that we get to see him on the court early in the series to see if they can make a run at it. And it just sucks, frankly, because all he talked about, you know, we talked mm-hmm. a bunch about it during the year. All he wanted to do was get through the playoffs healthy and see what it, how it, how it could go. And when you look at the way this has played out with Milwaukee losing, you know, I mean, the winner of this series is going to be the very, very, very heavy favorite to make it to the finals, and they're going to have the home court advantage in the finals, too. So it just would be a shame if we don't get to see him anywhere close to full go in this series, which I'm not sure is going to be the case. But, mm-hmm. you know, certainly the fact that we're looking at it being doubtful for game one is not a great start. So real quick, we you mentioned that the, the NBA announced they're going to the MVP will be announced on Tuesday. This was a real curveball mm-hmm. because as the Bontemps poll projected and bead had the lead at the end he obviously had a good finish at the season and again i trust the bontemps poll the bs poll uh but it's unusual for a player to be announced as the mvp when he's not at home and tuesday is an off day (laughs) uh in boston the philadelphia 76 will be in boston and the next day the one thing, if he was announced on an off day and the next day there's a home game, the next day is game two. And so that has caused a hesitation. So, uh, and even, okay. But if that's your theory, then. Jokic, not my theory. 
Jokic, yes, it is. Then Jokic, <laughs> then Jokic won't be at home either. They'll be heading to well. I agree. Practicing. Um, <laughs> is this going to be a Giannis Dirk MVP? Is that what you're getting at? No, I'm not getting at that. I think I I try I, I trust. Here's the, the here's the here's here's the deal. TNT announces all the awards. They have games on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So the only day they could realistically announce it and have it be up in the air who could win it is Tuesday because they're not going to have Joel take the award and then walk out and play on Wednesday or not play either way. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do that in Monday's game either well, way. Well, he'll get the award Friday in Philly if he wins it. Adam Silver, well, but I, I assume, but I'm just, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying they do these, they, they haven't done, they've done all of these pressers set up in a way where it hasn't been announced half an hour before the guy plays in the game or two right. hours before a guy plays in the game. That's right. So That's they, right. they had to do it with, with Jokic and Embiid both playing Monday when, or, you know, with them both playing Monday, they had to do it Tuesday one or the other because we have games from Thursday through the end of the week. So Tuesday was the only day to announce it. I'm not saying that means Joel's going to win or not. I It was very yes, close. I, I could see it going a bunch of ways. If I had to guess, I would say Joel wins. But, well, no, I, I think it's close enough that Jokic or Giannis, or especially Jokic, could win. Um, but I don't think that the fact that it's Tuesday is some sort of like, you know, secret tell of how it's going to go. Right. But people are wondering about it. And people so are just, wondering about it. Yes. You have just given a, a reasonable explanation as to why that is. So we'll see. It, you know, there is there. It, it didn't used to be this way. It used to be that they would announce it sort of in the middle of the day. But then TNT had the award show and nobody liked the idea of waiting until June, late mm-hmm. June to hear all these awards. So they brought back the awards being rolled out over the first two rounds. The real drama, though, will be, I assume, later this week or early next week when the All-NBA team is announced. That will be the real drama. Uh, well, it's some drama for the MVP, but um, the real drama will be the, for the MV, the MV All-NBA team and uh, with a couple of players. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Uh, okay, uh, game two, also Monday night for you, McMahon. Nuggets with a very, I, I think it's probably the most impressive the Nuggets have looked since the All-Star break. I can't testify to every single moment of every single game, but from start to finish against a team that had been 12-1 and one with Durant and Booker um, and still actually shot the ball extremely well, uh, very impressive performance um, from the Nuggets and re- minded everybody about 
mm-hmm. why they had the number one seed after five months of play. Yeah, yeah, and you certainly can't testify to the vast majority of the Nuggets' performances given your league pass issues, but I, agree. <laughs> I do agree with what you're saying. And Jamal Murray, <laughs> dude, he I, – I understand why the bubble Murray thing annoys him because it that's a cute little nickname that indicates there was a little bit of a fluke factor in the bubble. Well, also indicates he's not healthy from the knees, sort of like, well, you'll never be Bubble Murray again. I mean, that's, well, you know. But, it, but well, he is. But he is. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. It was it was kind of a fluke. Jamal Murray's never made an all-star team. He's never made an all-NBA team. He's never come anywhere close to playing in his career like he did in the bubble. That was the guy who everybody has always thought he had the capability of being, and he's never really been that guy. And now we're back in the playoffs and he's turning, turning into this guy again. And if he plays like that for the next six weeks, Denver very, may, very may well win the title. But I, I, this is not like it's, this is not who he has always been. He's been a good to very good player. That's never been anywhere near an elite top end guard in the NBA. He is. Well, in the playoffs. it's he's a, it's a matchup 11, problem. He's yeah. he's a, 39 career games had 11 30-point performances, and it is a matchup problem, Wendy. Yeah, that's a great stat, by the way. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> that's a great stat. Yeah, the only um, Nuggets who have had more are Alex English, Jokic, and uh, Carmelo, and he's one behind Carmelo. It's pretty good. Shout out stats and info. So, okay. Um, so Phoenix last round started Torrey Craig as their fifth starter. <laughs> and they did that because they were preparing to defend Kawhi Leonard and his size. And Torrey Craig was awesome in that mm-hmm. series. I think he shot in the neighborhood of 60% on threes. Um, certainly a small sample size, five games. Um, they switched to Josh Okoji. You know, you go through a series 4-1 where the guy who's in the starting lineup mm-hmm. shooting 60% on threes, you may want to leave the guy in there. But they are worried about the matchup for Jamal Murray. And so Monty Williams, <laughs> <laughs> rightly so. Monty Williams changed his lineup, put a Koji in. Not that a Koji is advertised as some, you know, all-world defender, but he is a a better matchup to defend a, a smaller guard. And Murray cooked, cooked yeah. the nuggets. And and look, Murray is as Monty pointed out, like there were some shots, it's just like Jesus, this guy, like you can't do anything about it. But they let him get in a rhythm, and he just was in a rhythm. Let him get rolling early. Let him get in a rhythm, and they never got him out of it. And look, this is – you talk about it being a matchup problem. This is one of the times – and, like, you look at who you're going to have to go through in the West. It, it might not be the only time, but this is one of the times where Chris Paul's inability at his age to defend his position really hurts. Chris Paul cannot he like there's just I'm sorry he's got no hope he's can't move well enough anymore you have to hide him defensively you have to put him on on the worst uh player on the other team and you know the guy who stands in the corner he can't especially run off all the dribble hand also yoga John like he has no hope so you have yep. to put you know the your basically your fifth star because you can't ask Devin Booker to, to run around all all game playing 44 45 minutes and then guarding Jamal Murray. Um, obviously, you can't ask KD to do it. So you have to have either Craig or Koji do it, and neither of them are particularly well-suited, I don't think. It would be very interesting, though, Wendy, as you're kind of alluding to, to see if they go back to Torrey Craig. Yeah, so after the game in the locker room the other night, when um, 
they knew that the Nuggets had won the series and the Suns knew they were playing, uh, going to go to Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris was sort of lamenting to his teammates. He's like, boy, I'm going to be going through a thousand ball screens in this series. Mm-hmm. And Monty was like, no, hold on there, sir. <laughs> you may not, um, because he doesn't like the matchup. And rightly so. Um, the other thing about this, um, the Suns have, sh- have shot over 50% as a team in the games that Durant Booker have played together. So mm-hmm. they shoot 51% in this game and lose by 20. Well, they had a big time math problem in this game as, as well, Katie and- pointed out as they all pointed out, but Katie very summed it up very quickly. Field goals, one on one to 84 three point attempts, 37 to 23. Uh, you know, obviously they lost the possession game. They lost the turnover battle. They lost the rebounding battle. You can't take you can't take fourteen fewer threes and seventeen fewer shots from the floor and have a chance to win. And even in today's day and age, it's hard to get up a hundred shots in a game. You know, because when you you shoot and you get fouled, it doesn't count as a shot attempt. So I mean, Joker did have some Moses Malone. He had a couple Moses Malone possessions. You look at his stash. God, he was a beast on the boards. Like, yeah, it's kind of on two possessions, but still. Well, well, it's more the three point disparity: thirty-seven to twenty-three, and. As much as the Suns have three of the best mid-range shooters of this generation, everybody on that team acknowledged we've got to get up more threes. And how do you do it? Monty said, "Hey, you know we've got to be willing to kind of get off the ball, like get it to eight on the short roll, let him make plays at the backside." Uh, KD and CP3 both said, "We've got to play faster. A lot of our threes come out in transition. We were playing too slow." Um, now I asked KD today, Hey, is it a challenge to play faster when you're playing 40 some odd minutes? I didn't even mention the altitude, but when you're playing that many minutes and he, and he didn't want to hear that, he tried to, yeah, no, nah, it's just good conditioning, but I got to imagine that it is. Well, well Durant had seven turnovers also, which I don't think is yeah. going to keep happening, but when still. he pointed that out, he said, we can't win with me having one assist and seven turnovers. Well, look, him and him and Buck both shot the ball. Great. But it took they took 38 shots combined. They scored 56 points. I would be fine with that every mm-hmm. game if I'm Denver. And they shot a combined four three-point attempts. Jamal Murray was six for ten. You put those two guys and Chris Paul together, they're two for nine. I would just I go back to what we talked about after that Dallas game. I would be very happy. You look at the way this box score plays out. Let Kevin Durant shoot. Let mm-hmm. Devin Booker shoot. Don't let these other guys get up threes. I just think Denver's going to win the math problem in this series. Because, by the way, last you, series they played the Clippers, and the Clippers had all their guys out and could barely score. Denver's going to be scoring a ton of points every game. Like, they're one of the best offenses we've ever seen in the league. When you're saying let them shoot, you're not saying give them open shots. You're saying let them play one-on-one, my yes. turn, your turn type of basketball where yes. nobody else is really touching it. Yes, to be clear, right. It's not not just like, hey, let KD and Devin Booker not, take you're, practice You're not guarding them like the Dylan Brooks. No, not guarding them like the Dylan Brooks, no. Uh, mm-hmm. but, I, but I would live with letting those guys eat as much as they want, and I, I'd single cover them and let them shoot. And if they're going to shoot 40, 45, 50 times every game, like – I just don't buy that they can hold up doing that over seven games. And I don't think they're going to shoot enough threes that even if they hit a lot of shots, they're going to win the math problem. And you look at the rest of the roster, they had a combined 26 points from the rest of these guys on the Suns. Like I, 
it's just going to be very hard for them, I think, to keep up with Denver. Um, I'm talking about outside the core four guys, not including okay, eight. Outside, yeah. the, the whole like we've talked about their four good players, and then everybody else, and yeah. everybody else gave them basically nothing. And and Wendy, com- this will shock you, but uh, Monty called out Aiton for not playing with force today. Well, that never happens. Yeah, well, I mean, he was minus twenty one in his minutes, and yeah, no, I thought well, he, I'm not. I'm just saying I thought it was accurate, but it also is not surprising and i said well how do you define force with him and he he said is he running the floor is he rolling hard you know after screens and what's his crash rate offensively you know crashing the offensive glass he said it was they like it to be like 60 to 70 percent of the time he's crashing the glass on this one it was way 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 low that well even more important to me for that is his defense on Nikola Jokic we've always seen him as a guy who has been good on Jokic in the past and he was not very good on defense in game one needs to be a lot better that's that's the Aiden experience as any Suns fan will tell you um all right let's get on until it's 5 a.m here let's talk real quick about this Lakers um this potentially spectacular Lakers warrior series LeBron versus Steph you know, AD versus uh, Looney, I guess Looney yeah. earns, that, earns that spot with uh, 21 yeah. rebounds um, and Draymond. Um, Lakers got a couple extra days to rest. It's huge, shorter flight. Um, I would advise the Lakers to try to come out like the house is on fire in game one and try, try to get up on him, try to take advantage of the lingering after effects because one of the things we've seen about this Warriors team this year. And one of the things that Steph talked to them about was their their sort of shaky focus. And they did win in Golden State earlier this year. They had had some, you know, they won the season series against the Warriors. And um and so they need they need AD to be great. They need AD to dominate that matchup. They need him to put up high points and high rebounds. They need him to put up high minutes. And to me, uh, even though this is LeBron and Steph can be focused, a lot of this is going to come down to AD's production, in my opinion, just, you know, seeing it today. AD against the Grizzlies, that's one of the most dominant defensive series I've seen by an individual. Um, I don't think he can have the same type of defensive impact against the Warriors. Just and I, The reason I say that is because the Grizzlies are a team that relies so heavily on attacking the paint where you know the, the Warriors are obviously a different type of offensive team. Um, but AD in that series, he, he had a couple of duds offensively, but defensively, <laughs> like, I don't know if he could have played much better. No, he was a monster. And they and look, they need him to be their best player again in this series. You, I think you sum it up, Brian. There, there's going to be, all understandably, a lot of focus on Steph and LeBron. But if mm-hmm. AD is the best player on the Lakers – That'll give them a puncher's chance of winning the series. I do think, you know, because they played a Memphis team with their two bigs out and with, as Tim said, all these guys that attack the rim, not a lot of shooting, not refusing to play Luke Kadar most of the time. And then he got hurt mm-hmm. right when they decided to start playing him. It's a whole different animal going up against this Warriors team. I have no idea how they're going to guard Steph. Like, good luck with that. They put right. Dennis Schroeder on him. That's probably not going to work great. You don't think getting into a Russell can garden? I don't think that will go very well. And uh, I think the Warriors will probably delight in going up against uh, D'Angelo Russell based off their history with him. Um, and I, I do, th- and they have a lot of guys that they can throw at LeBron on the wing too. 
Um, so I, I don't think it's a great matchup for them, but that said, you know, again, uh, this does, I think really come down to AD. If AD is awesome and consistently awesome in this series, I think it could be a long series. If he's anything less than that, I just, cause the other thing we, we haven't really focused on a lot because of how ugly that Grizzlies Lakers series was. This, this goes back to the math problem thing with the sun series. I think it's going to be hard for the Warriors, the Lakers to keep up with Golden State offensively. They're going to need these other guys to hit shots. And like Golden State did today, they need to, I think, try to turn it into a grinded out game where LeBron and AD are kind of, you know, blasting into them and turn it into a rock fight where the Lakers get to the foul line because the Warriors never do. If they do that, I think they can they can hang around. Well, I think they need former Warriors great D'Angelo Russell to have an awesome shot-making series. That's true. Which which sort of um, complete X-factor guard is going to play better in the series, Jordan Poole or D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, Jordan and look, Russell was an absolute disaster in the first round, man. Yeah, Russell, yeah. I mean, game six, like all the Lakers were awesome, but Russell, <laughs> and it was funny because Kyrie was sitting courtside, and so Russell basically said, no, 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 you don't need to sign that guy. Watch me hit a bunch of these shots. Well, by Kyrie the way, those three threes he hit in game four were huge. Yeah. No, he, those were he massive had, shots he, in the fourth quarter. He was impactful quarter. in that series. He was definitely impactful in that, and they, they need that for sure. Yeah, well, there's a, a lot that we're going to be talking about with that series coming up, but uh, – we got to get Jackson hopefully to bed before dawn here. I don't know if it's going to happen. So <laughs> thank you. Beyond thank you to Jackson Ajello who uh, made Jackson's this possible. By Jackson's sticking. the MVP. He's the real MVP, as Katie once said. Yeah. So thank you to Bontemps. Should we thank Bontemps, McMahon? I don't think we no, should. No, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's not like thank it you was my fault next time. <laughs> Thank you, listen yeah. to Collective Podcast. We'll talk. To, we'll talk to you in a couple hours. Adios, amigos. <laughs>